Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Today I will talk about Psalm 41. I want to reflect with us about pastoral care, in particular helping and visiting those who are helpless. So let's look at Psalm 41 and let us pray. Father, in this psalm you reveal your heart to us. You reveal to us what's important to you. I pray then that you speak deep into our hearts, that you bring a change in our hearts and our thoughts, bring deep conviction to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 41 verse 1 to verse 13. How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in the day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive and he shall be called blessed upon the earth and do not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sick bed. In his illness, you restore him to health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Hear my soul, heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil against me. When will he die and his name perish? And when he comes to see me, he speaks falsehood. His heart gathers wickedness to itself. When he goes outside, he tells it. All who hate me whisper again, together against me. Against me they devise my hurt, saying, A wicked thing is poured out upon him. Then when he lies down, he will not rise up again. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you are pleased with me because my enemy does not shout in triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity, and you set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. This psalm, or the psalmist David, is called the man after God's heart. And therefore, every, very much, very often, his psalms will express what God feels, because he feels the heart of God. And therefore, as he expresses what's in his heart, he also often, almost all the time, expresses what's in God's heart. And as we look at this psalm then from verse 1 to one to 3, the psalmist talks about those who consider the helpless as blessed. David was saying that the ones who consider the helpless are the ones who are blessed. And this, is in a way, this in a way shows God's values. What is important to God? What is very important to God are those who consider the helpless, those who care for the helpless. And for those who care for the helpless, the Lord will do many things. He will de deliver him in a day of trouble, will protect him, will heal him, will bless him, will sustain him. The Lord truly watches over and cares for those who are helpless. Particularly perhaps those who are sick, those who are infirm, those who are locked in and unable to go out. It reminds me of the passage in uh, the parable that Jesus told of the sheep and the goats in Matthew chapter 25. That those who cared, visited the ones who were sick, visited those in prison, are blessed by the Lord. The Lord treasures or values those who care 
for those who are the ones who are helpless, in who are sick in hospitals, locked at home, the ones who are aged, who are locked away from others. And God cares for for them and cares very much about those who do care for them. In this case, David was also talking about his situation. David, perhaps in his own illness, began to realize the plight of the helpless. In from verse 4 to verse 9, he talks about the plight of those who are helpless himself. He had experienced so much pain even as he lay sick in bed. Perhaps after experiencing all that, he realized that the ones who cared for the sick really were doing a great job, an important job, and therefore God would bless them. You see, when David was sick, he felt the whole impact of what it meant to be ill, what it meant to be infirm. He begins by saying, in verse 5, My enemies speak evil against me. When will he die and his name perish? We don't know much about which enemies were hoping that David would die. They were not the ones who were killing him, but they were sure glad that he was ill and that he might die. The reality though, even if we haven't gone through a situation like that, we don't have that many enemies, the reality is that when we die, we are forgotten. Very often we are forgotten even before we die. For all the good work that we have done, for all the times we have uh, helped others, for all the wealth that we have accumulated, all the grand things that we have done, even as we lie sick in our sick beds, we are beginning to be forgotten. Think of the many people who have done great work in, at their, in their old age. Few people even remember them, much less celebrate their life or their accomplishments. In my previous church, I used to journey with a widower. And this widower had been a very dedicated doctor in his youth. He didn't earn very much. He didn't ask for very much. In fact, he lived in a simple house. But the things that he did, the, disco the discovery, scientific medical discoveries that he made at his time were cutting edge and made a great difference to the health of many in Singapore, especially the poor. And yet as I journeyed with him, I discovered his great loneliness. Occasionally, but only occasionally, like once in 50 years when a hospital celebrated their anniversary, his name might have a little mention of what he did. But this man had done so much to help the poor, yet so little is remembered of him. But it's not just being remembered and leaving a lasting legacy. Few of his colleagues, few of his patients, few of anyone even thought of him. He was, by and large, a forgotten man. Perhaps he did not mind it so much. I mean, he wasn't there for all the fame. But I could sense the loneliness that after all that he had sacrificed for people, few even thought of him. But that's the reality of, of life, even before we die. Whatever your position you are, at the time when you're helpless, the time when you no longer can contribute, you are largely forgotten. The psalmist 
finds another complains about something else. He says in verse 6, When he comes to see me, he speaks falsehood. His heart gathers wickedness to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All who hate me whisper against me. What he was saying is that the one who visits him may tell him something, tell him rubbish in fact. And then when he's outside, he can do whatever he wants. There's a sense of helplessness. Samus is locked in his house, locked in his palace or whatever, while he is unable to control anything that is outside because he has lost all his power. I think of those in nursing homes where they're left there. Some are fortunate enough to have loved ones visit them. Others just have no one to visit them, no one to care for them. And often too that some relatives, even distant relatives, may be dealing with disposing of their property, disposing of their belongings, even before they are dead. They can't do anything about it. They're stuck in a nursing home while someone, so some people out there are just helping themselves to whatever they want, making decisions for the person, taking their possessions, and a great sense of helplessness. I realise the impact of such, such a deed on a person. While serving in death row, one of my prisoners was raging mad because it had been reported to him that his brother was wearing his clothes. Just simple clothes. And yet it mattered so much to him, not because the clothes mattered, but the sense that he was helpless against it, that people were plundering his property, his meagre property. He just had a few shirts and some other small things. But people were already taking them, these things from them, and he felt helpless to stop them. They were his, but he could not defend his own property. Those who are ill, those who are in hospitals, locked at home, in old folks' homes, nursing homes, in prisons, feel that sense of helplessness. While others can do whatever they like to them outside of where they are, they themselves are helpless to protect themselves or their property. David continues with more complaints. He says, All who hate me whisper against me. Against me they devise my hurt, saying a wicked thing is poured out upon him, that when he lies down he will not rise up again. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. One of the greatest sadnesses of a sick person is that people, even their closest friends, desert them. Sometimes because they're seen as not constant, unreliable. Sometimes it's because they complain too much and they, are, they become a nuisance, a pain, and unbearable. And people then say, well, he's gone anyway. Let's forget about him, even their close friends. I had a friend who was a very talented musician, very much sought after, a responsible, good, caring person. But just suddenly, one day, he developed OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and he couldn't even leave his house. His friends just couldn't understand. They had organized practices for music, for performances, and then some days he would turn up, and some days he just wouldn't. And they 
simply concluded that he was unreliable, a useless uh, and untrustworthy team member, and they dumped him. Even as he suffered, he bore his sufferings, his friends no longer contacted him. And those who did gave up after a while when they found that this person wasn't getting any better, that he wasn't good company, he was depressing company. And soon, friend after friend left him. This was a person who needed, perhaps at this point in his life, needed the most friendship. But his friends found it too hard to handle him. His friends found him too useless for their purposes. and was left without friends. Samus experienced each of these hurts and pains as he lay ill. And as he reflected then, he realised how important it was for people to care for the ones who are helpless. What does it say to our church and us today? God tells us that it is important to look for, to minister to, to consider, to visit those who are helpless, those who are in nursing homes, those who are alone at home, those who are ill and unable to come out, those who are unable to come to church. I'm glad in one sense that um, some churches have organised visitation teams. That at least ensures that these persons get visited regularly. And it is the pastor's work to visit them to serve communion. But in a sense, I think that it does these helpless persons a disfavour. For one, I don't like the word pastoral ministry because it, it kind of professionalises something that should be done by everyone. When we have a team, a pastoral visit team, surely ensures that these persons get visited regularly. But often it's all, all the work of visiting, all the love that is meant to be given to them is re relegated, is delegated to this pastoral team. And the rest of us feel that it is no longer necessary to visit them because we have a team that visits, because we have a pastor who visits, and therefore I do not need to visit. And that is a tragedy. It is also a tragedy when the pastor is seen as one who administers Holy Communion. I, in my younger days as a pastor, I used to follow a few senior pastors who visited and we were often out of the home within 20 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes. We went in, administered Holy Communion, thinking that that was the most important thing. And then we left, having done God's work for their souls. Truth be told, none of those we visited ever cared very much for Holy Communion. What they needed was a human touch, a human person to sit with them, to listen to their stories, to have lunch with them, to have tea with them. They didn't need a pastor to go there to serve communion for 15 minutes and then disappear. They wanted people to sit with them and share their stories, to have the time they looked forward to visit, not for Holy Communion, but for friends who remembered them, friends who cared for them, friends who would visit them and love them. They longed for longer visits than even an hour. Two hours, a meal, a tea, a lunch would have been great. But when we professionalise even the things, the, the work of visiting a person, then that necessary needed human touch is lost. 
Church members no longer need to visit because the pastor is visiting, but the pastor visits only to administer Holy Communion and leaves in a short while, leaving that person without what they need the most, a loving human person who will sit with them. And so, never mind about organisation, even if we had a pastoral care team, a team that visits, even if the pastor visits regularly, it is not enough. What these people need are friends, friends from the church community, friends, perhaps new friends who would visit them, who would spend time, much needed time with them. And so, these days, I would say to all of you, when you visit someone, it's not just to say a quick prayer and to make a quick escape. Not to say, well, I'm too busy and, well, just a 10-minute visit would be good enough. But rather to consider the needs of the helpless. What they need most are friends. Friends who will visit. Friends whom they can look forward to coming to share life with them. I want to close with a story. At the foot of my block years ago, or well, sharing the same block years ago was an old man. This old man would sit at the foot of, at the void deck at my block, uh, next to this um, mama shop, and his table would always be piled up with bottles of beer. This man would sit at the table, at the void deck from early morning to late at night before going home. There were, of course, this was, of course, indication that life was, home life was not happy for him. Otherwise, he would be at home. But he would spend the whole day down at the void deck and only go home to sleep. This man was used to be a pastor of sorts or church worker, I found out. In short conversations, I realized that he discovered that he had served God in a pastoral role for a number of years before becoming disillusioned and then leaving the church. On two occasions, he waited for me at the void deck downstairs with bags of books, Christian books, whom, which he said he no longer needed, and asked if I would take them. I took them and, of course, quietly disposed of them because they were such old books they weren't of any use. But he was obviously a very pious, God-loving man at some point in his life. Every day as I went home, I would just wave to him. On many occasions, I felt a prompting to sit with him and just to spend time, not necessarily ministry time, but just sitting with him and chatting. But as I looked at my schedules and thought of the time that it would take to just sit with this old drunk, who wants to sit with an old drunk who complains all the time? I had so much work. And I would just wave to him and say hello, and then I would quickly rush off to my home to do my business. One day, on the second day of Chinese New Year, this man finally took his life. He jumped off a block of flats. In fact, what was most poignant and perhaps left a lasting impression was that he landed just a few meters away from me as I waited for the lift to go up. But what struck me was the question, could someone who had befriended him have made a difference in his life? All of us waved at him, waved to him and dismissed him and left. 
leaving him to his drinks, thinking that that was company for him. But if someone, if I had perhaps, spent time just sitting with him, not necessarily ministering in the sense that we think of ministering, but just as a friend, listening ear, a voice that you could hear, a hand that he could hold, would that have made a difference? It's a thought that has plagued me, has bugged me for a long time, but has changed the way I think of ministry. Ministry is not about making changes in people, immediate changes, visible changes. It's not about visiting the sick and praying for healing. If the person doesn't heal, then we give up. It is about being a friend. And you really don't need a pastor or a church worker to be a friend. You need to be that friend. Which is why God says, How blessed is he who cares for the helpless, who considers the helpless. How blessed is he who sees someone who is lonely, someone who is struggling, who hears about someone who is shut in the house. Never mind whether the pastor is visiting or not, but who knows that this person needs more than a pastor. They need a friend, a constant friend who will call them, who will take them out for lunch perhaps, if they don't want it, to bring lunch to them, to bring dinner to them. But just a person whom, whose visit they can always look forward to. Let us pray. Father, forgive us when we keep professionalizing things that should be done by us. When we hive off pastoral ministry, where even pastors serve, visit the sick as though serving communion only. While each of these persons need friends. Open our eyes, Lord, each of our eyes to see the ones who need friends, the ones who are locked in their homes, the ones who are nursing homes, the ones who are in hospital, the ones who sit at void decks, quietly, lonely, because there's no one to talk to. Open our eyes to see these things, because your eyes see them, and to you they are so precious so that the person who considers their needs are also precious to you. Father, help us to know your heart, that we may love the way you love. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us once again, and I hope that you have a blessed day. God bless you. Goodbye. Good night.